Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Today is Monday, April 19th, and we continue to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. We're able to say, Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, and in that resurrection, hope We gather around the gift of the Holy Scriptures and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The light shines on us today from 1 Kings chapter 1. The question is, who is a king? Well, that's my answer to Solomon. And it shouldn't be a big surprise, but what about Adonijah, who has set himself up to king? What's going to happen to him? And what kind of king is Solomon going to be? We get a small idea of this today as we continue in this great book. Let's hear the story again and what it means for us today, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A special thanks to our friends from Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us to be strengthened by God's Word, we have with us regular guest Pastor David Boisclair of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Hey, it's wonderful to be here. Pastor, as, as a, well, first of all, a blessed Easter to you and your family. And, and to you and, and your, uh, the saints of the Lord up there in um, Minnesota. So I guess that? it was snowing up there. It was yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But I tell you what, over the weekend, it's been a little bit warmer and and uh, things are looking up. But I tell you what, um, I think May 4th is the latest that I remember there being a snowstorm. So nobody, re- for me, I don't breathe easy till about May 5th. So, yeah, thank you for that. I think, well, of course, I'm from Wisconsin and uh, we've known uh, – days in the summer in June that uh, there was uh, there was ice on uh, puddles <laughs> in early morning hours in Wisconsin. So it's hot. if it's cold up there, it's cold up where you are. Uh, amen to that. Amen to that. Well, today today is a real joy to be in First Kings. So let's, let's just get into it today, Pastor. Uh, can you begin us in prayer? Yes. Let us pray. We rejoice in your salvation every day. Always grant to us, as you did to your servant King Solomon, understanding hearts, that we may grow up in our knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grant that you would bless our Bible study this day. May we see Jesus, who is always delivered to us through your inspired, inerrant word. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Boyce Claire, First Kings is a wild ride. I mean, already in chapter one, it's a wild ride. And we and we had a wonderful introduction to this book with Dr. Walter Meyer on Friday. And he went through the whole history and talked about how First Kings is history written for the sake of theology, which I really loved how he said that. That that the author wanted to make sure that he had the history right. And then from there, we're able to really unpack our theology of all of Scripture because God has highlighted this time in, 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 in the history of the world to show his grace and mercy and also law, gospel, Christ, and so forth. So what kind of uh, background or thematic ideas do you want to highlight as we look at the end of chapter 1? Well, um, the um, situation here is is like a, a very 
uh, uh, kind of an unsettled time because they don't know what's going to happen. David, David is really, he's old and, uh, and, and as mentioned in the commentaries, he's decrepit. Mm. Uh, he can't even get, get warm under the covers. So they have to, uh, find a, a, a bed warmer for him in the person of Abishag, the Shunammite. Mm. Uh, and, and, um, and, and it's interesting that, that, that she's mentioned because then she, she, it plays a part in the later part. So it shows that the author, it, he's a good author. He, he, uh, foreshadows, he does all of those things as, as much like, uh, Dr. Meyer pointed out. Mm-hmm. Um, as we look at chapter one, any other thoughts about, uh, Adonijah and Nathan and Bathsheba as they, as they talk to David about who should become king. Any other reflections on that? Well, obviously, Adonijah, who was David's fourth son, was probably what might be considered the heir apparent. Uh, or, and mm-hmm. and um, in, in a sense, uh, you know, the first two kings, Saul and David, of course, were, were chosen by God through his prophet Samuel. Uh, well, actually, Samuel was a judge. And, and, and that, that has a factor in it because uh, in Deuteronomy, God states uh, through Moses that it would be he who decided who was king. It's not necessarily by primogeniture, you know, who was the, who was the oldest child. Um, now, the other, one of the other things is it's interesting that, that uh, critical scholars that look at uh, First Kings will say it will kind of be a negative toward what we might consider the good guys in this situation. They say that it was uh, uh, that Solomon and, and his group were like a scheming faction, which uh, won out, of course. But that, that kind of uh, uh, doesn't take into consideration that it is God's will or, or that it is uh, God who is the one that chooses the king. Um, and in, in the case of Adonijah, uh, he, it is... Um, uh, Joab's presence. I think that's not emphasized enough. Joab is a very, very dark figure from Second uh, Samuel mm-hmm. uh, during the reign of King David. So if Joab wants to do something, uh, then then you always have to uh, uh, sit and take notice and kind of be on your guard. Well, that's interesting because that reflects into chapter two and other parts of of First Kings. David doesn't have a lot of good things to say about Joab at the end of his life. And, and as you know, I mean, Joab is a murderer. I mean, he he murdered uh, Abner, the um, mm-hmm. uh, military uh, leader of of Saul, King Saul, and he also murdered Amaza, yep. who who was uh, was David's choice to be head of the uh, military. And um, uh, you know, and then and then the callousness of that man when when David was mourning for his son Absalom, he comes up there and says. You know, he's the guy that killed Absalom. Right. And then here he is telling telling his king, well, now you have to be politically savvy here, uh, your majesty, and, and stop uh, blubbering about your son. Oh. You know, and so, uh, you know, again, and but, but he was a relative of David's. Right. Uh, he was the son of Zeruiah. So, you know, who was like, a, I think, uh, a, maybe a, a, a sister. Of, of in yep. David's family, and so yes. they, they were like uh, uncle and nephew or something. 
there, I mean, there, the, it, it's like going to a family reunion and just trying to figure out, okay, how, how are the, how is this family connected to this family? And you're what the third cousin to my second niece or something, you know, and, and you're just trying to figure out how everyone is interconnected. And at the same time, there's a lot of dark stories as we dig into chapter one. Now, reminder to our listeners um, that this is something where if you have questions about this, uh, really, I want us to be able to dig into First Kings chapter 1 a lot. So send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, and we will try to address those questions um, uh, a lot of times on a personal level. Uh, because we really want this to be very clear. And and guess what? Pastor Boyce Claire is also one who knows a lot about this history. He loves First and Second Kings and uh, and is something we really want to answer any of your questions you might have. We might not be able to address them live, but our goal is to address them later on. So as we look at this, uh, let's uh, let's open up our Bibles and let's get started. Um, reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture, and we are starting in verse 28. We'll go 28 through 31 and, receive, and go from there. Then King David answered, Call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king swore, saying, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity, as I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Solomon, your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place, even so I will I to this day. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the ground and paid homage to the king and said, May my lord King David live forever. So what's the context and what is happening here? Well, um, I guess you might even think that this is kind of like in David's bedroom, you might say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it mentions that Abishag was, was kind of a nurse to him, of course, as, as she was a concubine in, in, his, in his family. Um, this was kind of done at the suggestion of Nathan the prophet. He said, uh, you know, they kind of planned it out. This is what we will do. You know, remind uh, the, his majesty that uh, he made a promise to you uh, that your son Solomon would, would succeed him uh, to the throne. And then, and then he said, I will fill in. You know, in other words, I'll, I'll, I'll second that. Hmm. And, and, and so it's kind of like uh, she's, she's going in accordance with, uh, with how, how they had planned to do it. Of course, I think uh, it, it, it was what he spoke to Nathan before he, he said, call Bathsheba, I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, like in verse 24, Nathan, Nathan is there. And then he, and then, then of course Bathsheba comes in. And, but what, what is, what's notable about this is the fact that the King, King David makes an oath right then and there mm-hmm. in, in, in these words, you know, to his wife. He, in other words, it's like reaffirming the, the oath that he took before as the Lord lives who has redeemed me and, and so on. So he's saying, I, not, I swear to you today this, and he's the king. You know, it's interesting. Uh, there, there's many different, uh, uh, like filmatizations of this event. Uh, one, uh, which was made in 1997 is the, the film Solomon. When, when, uh, they talk about who's king, David said, I'm king. Yeah. 
you know, and, and, and that is the case. David is still the king, even though he is uh, uh, old and, and about ready to die. He's the king. And so he has a he has a, a, a role to play. See, Nathan, uh, they want to act. They want to act responsibly, though, Bathsheba and Nathan. They don't want to assume that that's what he thinks, because they, they were thinking maybe David made the provision that Adonijah should be king. Right. So they're kind of working from that assumption and, 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 you know, doing it that way. Then David reaffirms his oath that he swore to Bathsheba and makes one then even there in their presence. I love how he writes it, too, because this goes back to when it's clear that that Nathan forgave, you know, in the name of the Lord, forgave David um, for his sins, where he says, as the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity. I, I love that idea of redemption. Any thoughts there? Oh, absolutely. That's probably one of the best illustrations of confession and absolution, where Nathan Nathan immediately administers absolution to the penitent king. Mm-hmm. You know, I have sinned against the Lord, and Nathan says, God has also put away your sin. Uh, and that, that's, that's reminding it. You, you have Bathsheba there as well. Right. You know, I mean, and she was, but, but she's also forgiven. And then, and then, of course, she finds her way in the, uh, the family tree of our Lord, as does Ruth and, and Rahab and, and many other interesting figures from the Old Testament. And that's a key theme that, you know, we talked about this on Friday uh, with Dr. Meyer, is just this understanding of, of we, we have to live in the history, uh, the 380 or so years of this history of the kings, but also at the same time, as they were waiting for Messiah, we're able to look at that, look back in a way that they were not, which is, how does this point us to Christ? And, and you have the history of, of, of the lineage from David. You have other redemptive type of stories that are in here pointing us to the Lord Jesus. And right here, right away, we have this idea of God being our Redeemer, um, one who forgives and one who restores the relationship back to him. Any any reflections more on those verses? Uh, I think you really uh, put the nail on the head. It's kind of like Job says that he's the goel, the the redeemer. Oh. Uh, they, they, in other words, it's about family too. Again, isn't it yes. there, that when um, I'm in I'm in a strait and I lose my property that. That, that when my property is up for auction or something, my uh, kinsman redeemer comes in and, uh, and, and covers the loss and saves me. Amen. Amen. So let's move on. Let's go through, through verses 32 through 37. King David called, call, call me, excuse me, I'm sorry. King David said, <laughs> call to me Zadok, the priest, Nathan, the prophet, and Benaiah, the son of Jeho- Jehoiada. So they came before the king, and the king said to them, Take with you the servants of your lord, and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule, and bring him down to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet there anoint him king over Israel. Then blow the trumpet and say, Long live King Solomon. You shall then come up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne, for he shall be my, the king in my place. And I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And Benaiah the son of Jehoiada answered the king, Amen. May the Lord, the God of my Lord, the king, say so. As the Lord has been with my Lord, the king, 
Even so, may he be with Solomon, and may his throne, may his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. All right, so he brings in the priest, he brings in the prophet, and what does he tell him to do? He tells him to uh, take his son Solomon and uh, put him on his own mule, which in, in, in this case is a female mule mm. uh, from the uh, word in the, in the Hebrew. Uh, and uh, much like uh, uh, King Ahasuerus said to Haman uh, in Esther that, you know, that how, how can we honor uh, someone whom the king wants to honor? We put him on his own steed. So he put Mordecai on his speed in, in the case of uh, in Persepolis, but here are, um, excuse me, in Susa, mm-hmm. Shushan. And here, of course, it's, it's like this, this is uh, uh, putting him on the mule, uh, it, the king's own mule. You know, that's, that's, uh, that, that, that shows that the king has made that choice. It's, this is my animal. Normally, at that period of time, uh, horses were not used for, for riding. They were used for drawing carts or chariots. Uh, it was mules uh, or donkeys that were used uh, to transport people, you know, maybe in a more uh, inexpensive way. And, but in this case, it is like uh, you're going through the whole thing. You're, you're actually almost like crowning Solomon as king, also the anointing of him. Now, it's interesting that it is at the spring of Gihon, which is just to the north of Enrogel, where uh, Adonijah and his uh, uh, coronation party is taking place. And, and uh, of course, the uh, sound of the trumpets uh, and everything would be, be sort of like a, uh, a party stopper to that event down a little bit south. And it's interesting, in verse 8 of chapter 1, but it says, but so they, they said, okay, he is, he's the king. You know, here he is. And, but Zadok the priest, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan the prophet, and Shimei and Rei and David's mighty men were not with Adonijah. And so emphasis there. And now he tells those guys, okay, now you are going. Um, is there any significance of David not being there? Was that, I, I guess I haven't thought about it. Does the king have to be there, or is it more appropriate for the priest and the uh, and the the prophet to be there? I guess I hadn't thought about that. Well, I mean, uh, what's significant about it is the fact that uh, they're left off of the uh, guest list. <laughs> this true. must be an indication that that uh, Joab and Adonijah and uh, Abiathar, the mm-hmm. priest, mm-hmm. that priest knew that uh, Solomon was to be the king, was the heir apparent and not Adonijah. And so, uh, you know, it's sort of like that is, that was like a, a coup that, that took place where they saying, okay, let's just go ahead and do this. I mean, the king is so, uh, you know, is decrepit and unable, you know, bedridden and almost on his deathbed. Uh, so he can't put a stop to it, but it, but it's significant that it is not only the priesthood that's present, but also, uh, the, the prophet, you know, those are two, mm-hmm. Uh, important factors which are not present it, with Adonijah, and 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 so it's very significant that it, it, you know in in a sense they're admitting Adonijah and his party are admitting that uh, Solomon does have a have a claim to the throne himself, but uh, they don't say anything. I don't think they went ahead and anointed uh, Adonijah. They just right. had had the uh, the dinner 
Okay. For that, like Absalom, you see, there, there's kind of like yeah. a, a parallel with what happened with Absalom. Oh my that Absalom had um, like an entourage of fifty people, men who ran before him, and then he, you know, then he staged that coup, which was successful to some extent. Right, right, yeah, it is interesting. They kind of we're going to have the party, but as far as all the other things, we're not going to actually do that. Which is partly, in a, you know, if they were to do it on their own they would show that they thought this was true, but they kind of knew right from the beginning, okay, we're going to do this, and hopefully no one notices that we're not doing it correctly. Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, that's that's exactly the thing. Well, I mean, it's kind of like uh, in ancient Rome, if there was like a, a dispute as to who was the emperor, uh, the, the it was usually generals from the legions that were uh, out in the field that would uh, sort of claim the uh, imperial power. Mm -hmm. And it was only the emperor that was closest through to Rome that, uh, or rather the, the general that was closest to Rome that was considered the most strongest candidate. And here you have Adonijah. He has a good, he has a good right, you know, standing in the sense that he is the fourth son of David. He, um, you know, he's probably the oldest surviving son so far. Right. And and, uh, and and obviously he has uh, the priestly support in in Abiathar, and he has uh, you know Joab, well, who is commander of the armies, but uh, is the um, uh, you know the nemesis of the the antagonist, you might say. Yeah, and and that's, and that's something that leads me to think about. Okay, th- there's some weird stuff going on here, but verse thirty six, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. Answer the king, Amen, may the Lord, the God of my Lord, the king, say, as the Lord has been with my Lord, the king, even so may he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord David. And and for there, to me, that, that, I mean, that sounds like a, like a prayer, that he is, he's kind of given a blessing, a prayer, and saying, Lord, this is what we're going to do, Lord, Lord, bless it. And I, I found that interesting because I don't think there's a lot of praying going on in the Adonijah realm, but there definitely is going yeah. on over here. Any thoughts? Yes, yes, I think you're you're exactly right, and and I don't think. See, the thing, the other thing is, you have uh, another um, foreshadowing of, of of Zadok and and Abiathar uh, in uh, second in First Samuel, because there, remember that the the house of Eli was was said to be the house that God disfavored because of the sins of Eli and Hophni and Phinehas. Right. And then, and then it was Zadok's house that would be the one that would be the legitimate one. But they were kind of co-high priests, you might say, uh, Abiathar and Zadok. And their two sons were the two, uh, you know, sort of like the uh, Pony Express. Or, well, in this case, they were the runners. Sure. Uh, Himahaz. And and Jonathan, Jonathan the son of Abiathar, and Ahimaaz the son of Zadok. Wow, I mean, we could just have you keep going here, Pastor. You definitely know some of the history, and and for us, it's important for us to know some of this history. So I, I appreciate how you are presenting this because you can read this and it can get really confusing really quickly. Who's this? Who's that? Who's that? And now we kind of even unfold a little more that. First and Second Kings connects us to First and Second Samuel, and at the same time for, connects us to Chronicles. So there's a lot here to read. So it's, thank you for uh, breaking it down in small ways. So let's move on to verses 38 through 40. 
as we look at these verses and continue on. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the, the Pelethites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. There Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. Then they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him, playing on pipes and rejoicing with great joy, so that the earth was split by their noise. So is there any question about who now is the king? Absolutely not. Well, I mean, and, and what really lends legitimacy to this is, is King David. You know, I, I think that Adonijah, if you look at what, what ha- why didn't they br- clear this with dad before they started this, uh, Adonijah did this. Now, of course, they said that David did not stop Adonijah from uh, establishing an entourage of 50 runners to run ahead of him and, and, uh, and, and all of that. So, you know, so, and again, you have Joab scheming. Okay. You know, because uh, he's thinking that this is where I can continue to have my power uh, in the kingdom. Sure. And, and uh, you know, but then now in this particular case, you have the legitimacy of the reigning king who's saying, this is my heir and I commanded that he be anointed. So there, that's, that's, that should settle the matter. It should. Yeah, it should be that simple, shouldn't it? Um, but as we see with Saul and David, and like you said, uh, with Absalom, and now in this, it's never quite as easy as we wish it was. Um, any, any thoughts on those last verses, 38 through 40? And, and then I think it, it, it's just saying that it, they, they made quite a, they quit made quite a, a bang uh, with uh, it said it, it's like the, the earth split and they could have probably heard this from Enrogel because they were like, uh, you know, maybe a short distance away at the other, that other spring that was on the South East corner of Jerusalem. Cause G- Gihon is, is like, you know, like sort of like to the East North, it would be North of there. And so they were very yeah. close. And so here they, they're, they're making such a, uh, a, a, noise that 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 other party the Adonijah party heard it yeah and I love I love that language that the earth was split by their noise and it kind of reminds me if you go to a if you go to a football game and and well when you have a full stands you know at a football game and people are jumping up and down you literally can feel the stadium moving you know it's not just the noise but people moving and the noise and everything splits and that's what the I mean people were celebrating this we don't get a good feel for Adonijah that people were united under him that they said oh yeah this is the guy we want to be our king it's clear that they even had some questions on that so right now though Let us take our break. We are studying 1 Kings chapter 1 with Pastor David Boisclair, and we'll be right back. What's happening in Germany's Lutheran churches? where Iranian refugees are flooding through the doors. What new opportunities for sharing the Christian faith are arising in communist Vietnam, and how can my church play a part? 
Mission speakers, all LCMS pastors from the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, will come to your church free of charge to preach and lead Bible studies tying into this exciting work going on all around the world. To schedule your speaker, call LHF at 800-554-0723. And welcome back. We are studying 1 Kings chapter 1 with Pastor David Boisclair. And we had just gotten done with the, the question of who will be king well, now we know it will be Solomon. Uh, the lineage has been given. Um, it makes, obviously, it makes uh, Bathsheba happy. It makes uh, Nathan happy. It makes uh, David happy because he knows where the lineage will go. And it makes the people happy. It was so loud that they split the earth, it says, by their noise. Um, but as we move on, it's always complicated. Why? Because a bunch of sinners have gotten together. Any last thoughts uh, uh, from verses 28 through 40 before we move on, Pastor? No, I think I think we pretty well covered it. Uh, I, it it's uh, interesting that um, the legitimacy uh, is important in in this particular situation. Um, what's funny? There was a I, I remember uh, a, a recent film called Dave about this uh, guy who was uh, pretending to be president of the United <laughs> States, yeah. and there was a yep. like a chief of staff uh, and. Uh, Frank Langella played that role. Yep, and and he's he's thinking, ah, oh, well, this this guy is going because he wanted to be president, and he's he's sitting in his living room with all his friends, uh, you know, a large living room, and they're all all there watching, and they're thinking that uh, his that, that uh, Frank Langella's enemies are going to uh, uh, destroy them, uh, destroy themselves, or or, or or and then and then. Uh, <laughs> the tables are turned and then it's only him, only the uh, perpetrator that is sitting there. And, and, uh, uh, so, so what happens is it's only Adonijah that, that's there. And I think Adonijah thinks, well, maybe I shouldn't have listened to Job. Right. Job oh Adam. my, that is a great connection with that movie. I love that movie, but yeah, that's if those who have been watching that movie, that is exactly right. It starts with, he can take over, and at the very end, he is all alone. And that helps us understand where Adonijah is at this time. So let's move on, verses 41, and we'll go through verses 48. Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it, had, it, heard it as they had finished feasting. And when Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, What does this uproar in the city mean? While he was still speaking, behold, Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, the priest came, and Adonijah said, Come in, for you are a worthy man, and bring good news. Jonathan, Jonathan answered Adonijah, No, for our lord King David has made Solomon king, and the kings has sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites. And they had him ride on the king's mule. And Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king at Gihon, and they have gone up from there rejoicing, so that the city is in uproar. This is a noise that you have heard. Solomon sits on the royal throne. Moreover, the king's servants came to congratulate our lord King David, saying, May our lord, may your God make the name of Solomon more famous than yours, and make his throne greater than your throne. And the king bowed himself on the bed. And the king also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has granted someone to sit at my throne this day, my own eyes seeing it. 
So they're kind of, they're feasting, they're having a party. And then all of a sudden, Jonathan comes in and gives him the news. Reflect on this story. What do you have for us? Uh, the they heard the noise. It, uh, it was such a such a, uh, uh, a bang. Uh, the the other the other um, event had such a bang to it that they heard it right from from where they were. And then Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, and um, the the one who was uh, the Jonathan and Ahimaaz were the two sons of the two priests. Jonathan, of course, being Abiathar's pre, uh, son, uh, brought the brought the news. You know. Uh, they, it, it says, like, let fill us in. What's going on? Well, guess what? It's not good news. <laughs> it's interesting. It's the word that's used there. You know, the, the, the specific, uh, language that's used there, the commentator says, it's kind of like a, when you, when you, uh, wave your hand, like up and down, eh, uh, that, 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 you know, is, is it good news? Well, not really, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, it, it is in the sense that, uh, you know, I think that pretty well uh, shuts down that that uh, event there because it says he has anointed Solomon king. Evidently, Adonijah was not anointed. Um, and, um, and and so then and then also it's interesting where it talks about uh, in verse 47, mm-hmm. where the king bowed himself on the bed. This is similar to. Um, uh, the the actions of Jacob uh, when he uh, gave his last will and testament, you might say, in Genesis forty seven thirty one. It's really mentioned quite uh, extensively in in Hebrews eleven, where it says he bowed himself on on the staff or, or bowed himself on the bed, uh, where uh, David is giving his last will and testament that Solomon is to be his king, much in the same way as Jacob, as the patriarch Jacob did. Uh, in, at the time of uh, Joseph and the, and the 12 uh, brothers. You know, I hadn't caught that before, but you're right. That is in, in Genesis 47, verse 31. And he said, swear to me. And he swore to him. And then Israel bowed himself upon the head of his bed. And and, and that goes right with the blessings he gives to all of his sons towards the end. And here, so that bowing down is almost a blessing that that this is the way it's supposed to be a blessing on Solomon and, and blessing on his kingdom. Yes. And, and uh, the, the blessing is all important. Remember, remember at, like at the time of Jacob and Esau, you know, mm-hmm. when and Isaac, their sons, it wasn't, it didn't matter a hill of beans to Esau. If his brother had the double portion, you know, when, when he sold his, his birthright to, to Jacob, uh, but the blessing, the blessing was all important. And the fact that Jacob had stolen Esau's blessing, uh, which was meant, you know, which would have been meant for Esau right. was, was, uh, what enraged Esau that, that was, that's, that's very significant in sacred history is this blessing from, uh, the patriarchal blessing. And that, and that's hard for us to understand because we function more in who's the most qualified 
you know, so, okay, uh, Adonijah is older, Adonijah might be stronger, um, he maybe has a stronger lineage, and we must be honest, Bathsheba, that story is kind of messed up, and then you want to go with the son with Bathsheba, but here, it, 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 there, there's definitely a, cho- a, a chosenness to this situation, it was not a, well, Solomon's most qualified, therefore do it, but it was more like, well, God's going to um, qualify the called, if you will, as he goes into this, Any any thoughts on that? Yes, I think you put put your finger on the main thing that's going on here. Remember that uh, God told David that he was not to build the temple because he was a warrior. He had shed blood. Adonijah presumably was also a warrior and had shed blood as well. Solomon, whose name, you know, Shlomo in Hebrew, means peace. Uh, and, And Solomon was a man of peace. And that was, that was whom God had chosen to build the temple. Mm-hmm. That is a very important point there. But like you said, you know, we, we often think about, well, maybe about rights or maybe about, but what, what about what God has to say in all of this? I think that's, that's kind of what, what we're, uh, you know, we're really faced with here. So as of right now, I do think about this because like he said, Adonijah sees Jonathan come in. Oh, come in. You're a worthy man to bring good news, you know? And so, and then, then that's the Debbie Downer moment. Like, uh, 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 you know, this is, this is not going well. And he goes through the whole list. I think about a lot. What is going through Adonijah's, Adonijah's, uh, heart as he continues to speak? Because it's clear that, that none of this is going to go his direction. Any last thoughts on, 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 on the feelings in the room and, and the, the history of this as we continue on, 41 through 48? Any other last thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I'm glad, I guess Jonathan is happy that they didn't do what David did to the person who brought the news about Saul's uh, you know, suicide at the Mount Gilboa. Yeah. He put that uh, guy to death, and, and the guy didn't even kill Saul. Saul killed himself. It was the fact that he was confessing that he was that he had killed Saul, that David said, okay, put him to death. He touched the Lord's anointed here. Uh, and in, in this particular case, um, I think Adonijah is probably an ab- just, you know, that's kind of like fear would grip you. Mm. At that moment, I mean, you know, he must have said, "Okay, I'm my goose is cooked." Right? Yeah, can <laughs> you imagine? Kind of, yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh shoot! And that, and that's kind of right now. It's a turkey hunting season in Minnesota, so you know the turkey is cooked, as we would say right now in Minnesota. But anyways, Ooh, that sounds that <laughs> it, sounds good. <laughs> it does sound good. It does sound good. Verse forty-eight. I think he says something very important here. David does that relates to us today is that the king also said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. And we just, we know who Yahweh is to them, but has granted someone to sit on my throne this day, my own eyes seeing it. What do you think it was like for David to actually see the transference of the kingdom to his own son, the way that he wanted to be done? Because that can be emotional for all of us as we think of our families or we think about our churches, that it sure is nice to see the fruit of our labor and knowing it's in safe hands. Any reflections on that? I, I think that's so, so, uh, so very true. Um, if you think about Solomon uh, in some of his writings, 
and in uh, his most skeptical one, which is, of course, is uh, Ecclesiastes, he says, who knows what will happen? You know, I I might spend my entire life trying to build something up. And then what will happen if if, uh, a irresponsible person uh, takes over? And and in in this particular case, uh, David had the opportunity. King David had the opportunity to see that that um, it, it was in good hands, and that that in this in this case it doesn't go that way. Uh, and of course, uh, as I said, it, it's 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 very comforting for for an elderly man who is about to to go and, and be with the Lord. And I think this is important for you, our listeners, as well. Is to understand, how do you say it? When you, when you sit with people and they get really excited about simple things, we don't always fully understand it, whether it is a wedding, um, whether it is a baptism, whether it is confirmation. Because my, my second daughter confirmed her faith on Palm Sunday. And, and one of the things I've noticed is that it has meaning for me. Of course, I have to work, and and it can get kind of emotional, so you kind of have to hide these things. But how much of a significance it was to my parents and to others to be able to see this that they went through and that their kids and now their grandkids have gone through it as well. And I think that's something that we, sometimes I dismiss that, like, oh, they're just just a tradition, da-da-da-da-da-da. But these are important traditions because they point us to the Word of God. And for David, this was clearly a sign, as he says, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, showing that this is something from God, and it points us from one generation to the next. And and I I was thinking about that as I read this text and how we might criticize some of the traditions as not being, quote, effective, but it does have power, not only in the sense of the word of God, but also that, okay, the next generation is is now going to be in this word of God. And for him, he knows that the next generation will be blessed by the Lord as the Lord had blessed him. Any thoughts on that before we get to our last verses? I think that's that's beautifully put. Uh, it, it's interesting, Saul, in his during his reign, what, you know, basically I want to decide who's going to be king. Yeah. You know, I'm king and I don't want, uh, you know, I don't want God to decide. It, it's kind of a giving, a giving up, to what to to the will of God and and to and, and and to the way in His His will for His people. It's so precious and so important. I think that's why I think uh, our our present day uh, uh, cancel culture, uh, cancel uh, uh, humanity the way it should be, cancel families, uh, really does a disservice to uh, to people to humanity because they don't see the you know the the transition from the generations. And that, that's the way God created the world, you know, to have these generations of children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great, you know, the whole thing. Right, right, exactly. And that's clearly what is happening here. And I would encourage our listeners, as we go through First and Second Kings, to think of it in that context. Too often we see it as just stories and we leave the emotions out. But can you imagine you're at the end of your life and you're king? And, and you're, you're stressing out over who will be the next generation for this. And then David is able to see it and celebrate that his son would be king and how much those emotions um, are, are important for him and how they're important for us as well. So let's move on to our last verses as we continue to reflect on this wonderful part of Scripture. Verses 49 through 53. Then all the guests of Adonijah trembled and rose, and each went his own way. 
And Adonijah feared Solomon. So he arose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. Then it was, Sol- then it was told Solomon, Behold, Adonijah fears King Solomon. For behold, he has laid hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me first that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. And Solomon said, If he will show himself a worthy man, not one of his hairs shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar, and he came and paid homage to the king, Solomon, and Solomon said to him, Go to your house. So um, his buddies all found out the news. And what happened to Adonijah? He was, he was left holding the bag, <laughs> <laughs> holding the horns of the altar. <laughs> and what does that mean? It, he took a hold of the horns of the altar. What's the horns of the altar? Well, uh, in fact, that's considered to be the most sacred part of the altar, according to um, you know the archaeological studies. Uh, even even uh, uh, Canaanite altars had horns like that. Uh, he was he was actually claiming sanctuary. He he wanted uh, he was claiming sanctuary from uh, probably being executed by his brother, and and I think it was actually an admission of guilt uh, because uh, you know he, it really. Uh, you know what he what he should have done was he should have when when that all happened is he should have just gone to his brother and and said I I beg your forgiveness my brother uh, you are my king you know forgive me uh, that would have been the actions of someone who did it uh, inadvertently or you know with you know not having any um, ulterior motive in the case uh, so so he was basically trying to use every possible way to keep from being um, executed for his treason. Oh, so it's kind of like with Jacob and Esau, you know, that he hears, Jacob hears that Esau's coming, so he sends all these, you know, all the cattle and food and everything in front of him, just say, okay, he might not forgive me, so I'm going to send all these things before me, so that when he shows up, you know, he'll be buttered up by the time he comes. So kind of like that, or how would you describe it? No, it's it's actually, he he recognized the fact that he was a dead man because of, uh, okay. uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that it's a turning of the tables because it, it, earlier in the chapter, it says uh, where, where um, I think it's Bathsheba that says to, uh, well, in the discussion with, da- uh, with King David or with Nathan, that if, if they, they're going to end up uh, being um, sinners are, you know, considered to be condemned. Mm. Uh, but, you know, the, the commentators mentioned that they had not, that the, these are the ones that who win or who lose, you know, my, much like uh, uh, Benjamin Franklin said, it, it's, uh, it's, if it's their rebellion when, when you win, but it's, it's, uh, you know, if, if we do not win the, win this war, we will ultimately hang separately. I mean, it, it's kind of a situation where who is the one that comes out politically ahead here? And, and, okay. and, and Adonijah realizes that, that he's, uh, he's lost. And, but then I also think that, that he, it's an act of, of, um, you know, guilt on his part. Sure. Sure. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, uh, now now I'm on the same page. Uh, thank you for the, thank you for that. And so Solomon hears that Adonijah is fearing Solomon. Now I hadn't thought about this, and let me know if you've done study on this. How old is Solomon at this stage? Do we know? 
Um, well, let's see. Uh, Solomon. Well, I mean, I would I would say that he's probably in his twenties or thirties. Okay. I would think. Okay. Uh, now David ruled for forty years, um, and uh, Solomon, you know, was uh, is I think he's the last son that's mentioned about David. Although they're in in the end of Second Samuel, they they've also he has a lot of wives and concubines. Uh, Solomon, of course, will have seven hundred wives and five hundred concubines. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, okay. so he's probably got quite a quite a large uh, family. We might have to have a special episode on that at some point. But yeah, so Solomon yeah. is a is a young man. I mean, he is he's definitely not like a young David, you know, who tried to put on all this equipment in order to fight Goliath. I mean, he is a young man. He is ready to lead. Um, Adonijah probably has every right to fear this guy. Not only is he king, but he's a he's a man. And and so uh, so he basically is going to Solomon in a sort of repentance. Is that, is that how we would kind of see this? Well, uh, not really. I think he's thinking that he's trying to rely on sanctuary. Okay. Uh, You know, there would be, you know, like you had the, um, uh, the city, the cities of refuge, uh, where, where uh, a a person who, um, killed somebody else, uh, accidentally could run. So they weren't with the blood guilt. Uh-huh. And, but it doesn't like in Israel, it's not going to matter because they take away Joab does the same thing later. Sure. And, and that's, they say, just pull him away from there. He's, he doesn't have the right to that. Gotcha. So, so Adonijah, or uh, Solomon hears of Adonijah. What kind of promise does he give to him? Well, he says, uh, you know, if you behave yourself, then you can, you can live. But if you, you know, that you're on, you're on notice, uh, he's telling him to retire from, from public life says, go to your home. Uh, so, and, and, and then, you know, we'll, we'll see if you, if you, uh, behave yourself, then, then you'll be okay. And not a hair of your head will fall to the ground, but otherwise, uh, you're going to die. So how does this relate to today? I was thinking about this when I was reading that, you know, we full heartedly, believe in the forgiveness of sins, like you said with Nathan and David, that the forgiveness of sins are there. It has been one for us on the cross. He's telling us to give it to other people in the name of Jesus. And we believe that when you re- when you have received this forgiveness, repentance and forgiveness of sins, as Jesus says in Luke 24, um, that we are fully forgiven in our relationship with God. But yet there, there is, uh, there's consequences, I guess you'd say, for your actions. And here he's basically telling them, yeah, if you do good things, then you're good. But if you don't, it's not going to end well for you. How does that, how can oh, yeah, we relate I, with that, our lives today? Well, in, in this particular case, you have like, you have the public square mm-hmm. and you have the church. Uh, a, a person who even commits uh, a first degree murder, mur- maybe even a, well, let, let, I'll cite an example. A Jeffrey Dahmer was a, was a monster. I mean, who was a mass murderer. Uh, he, he became a Christian, uh, you know, before, you know, before the judge passed sentence on him in, in Milwaukee. And, um, uh, you know, the thing is, is that he still had to pay the consequences of, of his, of his crimes. But his relationship with God in eternity was, was something that's that's a, a separate matter, and so that it's kind of like related to that. I mean, we if we commit a crime, uh, you know, a legal, we we uh, break the law, you know, we we need to say that we have to answer for that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, we don't have to answer in eternity if we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's an important thing for us to remember in the church today as well, that we forgive, but then there's, there's, um, there's a responsibility that we all have to take to move forward. As it says, not one of his hairs shall fall to the earth, but if wickedness is found, he will die. So I, I'm assuming at this point, Adonijah knows the dire consequences of his future actions. And, and why is that important for him and for us? Well, it, it uh, obviously, uh, like, there is consequences to any actions that we, well, look at David. There's a, there's a prime, there, there's an example right ready to hand. He um, committed adultery, and then he murdered uh, the, the husband of, of the woman with whom he committed adultery, and then he suffered the consequences. The sword shall never depart from, from your house. Uh, you know, at first, he, he is given absolution, unconditionally, right at the front. But then, then he said, you know, there, there's going to be consequences to our actions. All of us as Christians need to know that, um, you know, just because we're forgiven uh, and, and we have a relationship with God, that, that uh, there will be consequences to uh, sinful actions in, in the world. You know, and that deals with like the, what we call the kingdom of the right hand and the kingdom of the left. Uh, you know, uh, we, we are forgiven in Christ. We are, we are uh, you know, we, we will go and be forever with our Lord in heaven. But we also have a responsibility in the world to um, follow the Lord's will. Now, would it be correct for us to say that Solomon had every right to basically eliminate Adonijah? Would he have been able to do that? I, well, yes, yes, he would. He mm-hmm. is the king. Um, I, I think, you know, it's interesting how David even, uh, you know, is, is lenient. It, it kind of, uh, you know, really, the, the, I think the culprit here, the bad guy is Joab. That's who I think uh, is the one that, okay. uh, and, and, and we will see that, that that's the situation. But um, uh, uh, that was an act of, um, you know, treason. You'll find out later when we look at the later chapters, you know, he asks for the hand of Abishag and then, uh, you know, it's just a, you know, it, it, I just want to marry, marry a woman who, uh, she, she wasn't married to my dad and, 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 uh, you know, uh, give me her. And, and, and just for that, he was executed. Why that, you know, that's very helpful because I was thinking about chapter two, which we'll get to tomorrow is just this understanding of how David is speaking about Joab. And if you just separate it in the mistakes that he's made that you read up in, in, in second Samuel, it's kind of like, man, David is being really harsh. I mean, <laughs> this is, this is his last will and Testament. This is an important thing, but if you put it into like what you're saying, committing treason, and then therefore people like Adonijah and others kind of falling down the, the mountain, if you will, of God's grace, of, of doing things that totally don't make any sense, that makes a whole lot more sense of why David is so angry. Any thoughts on that? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and and the other, other thing is, what's interesting is, this is God's people. Mm-hmm. These, are, these are God's Old Testament people, God's Old Testament church. And they, uh, they, they, David and Solomon do not act like the kings in the other nations around them act. It, whenever something like this would happen, uh, you know, let's say you had Adonijah, 
uh, you know, wanting to be king, he would go and send all, if he had, uh, you know, any military might, he would kill Solomon. He would kill, maybe even kill his father, kill, kill, uh, uh, Bathsheba, kill Nathan, anybody that comes into his way, if he has the power, uh, you know, that was, that was kind of the way, the violent and barbaric way that the, that, that the world was governed at that time. But here is the people of God. They govern according to law and, and mercy. Right. And, and that, that's, that's the picture that we're left with here. So we look at the very end. He says, um, and Solomon said to him, go to your house. What is he telling him? I know you touched on a little bit before, but what is he telling him? Go to your house. He's telling him to retire from public life. Um, now, you know, it's like, you know, okay, I, I don't need you, um, in my government. Um, and, and maybe he would, uh, you know, maybe in later years, maybe Solomon would say, okay, you know, we need, we need something done here. Uh, would you, would you be willing to serve your country in this respect? Uh, at at least for the time being, he's just saying, you know, maybe you need to retire from public life or I'm commanding you. He commanded him to retire from public life. (laughs) It's sort of like, you know, we were, we're talking about consequences of crimes. If somebody commits uh, embezzlement as a uh, treasurer or as, as a, um, you know, banker, uh, you know, you may forgive them, uh, as a Christian, if they, they're repentant and they, maybe they make up the money that they've stolen, but you won't, you wouldn't give them the position of a, of a banker or a, um, treasurer anymore. Right. Yeah. You don't want them to be your church treasurer anymore. Yeah. It might be time to <laughs> go off into the sunset in that way. You're right. Exactly. Right. That's, you don't want the fox in charge of the hen house. <laughs> exactly. Well, pastor with about 30 seconds left here, how would you sum up these powerful words of Holy scripture? Uh, I would say that God's the, our, our times are in his hands and he has in, in the time of his Old Testament saints uh, kind of been present and, and guided the events uh, of his people. And that's our comfort, too, for our own future. Pastor David Boyce Claire of from Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Line, Missouri. Pine Lawn, I haven't said that right today, sorry. Missouri, helping us today with First Kings. Pastor Boyce Claire, thank you for being our guest. It's always a blessing. Thank you. Saints of our Lord, Adonijah thought he was king, but God had other plans. We think we have everything figured out, but God might have other plans. As a matter of fact, he probably does. But we trust in him, knowing full well that we that He we know the plan of salvation without a doubt, and that's Christ and him crucified. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.